Let's just take a moment of stillness on this lovely summer morning to become aware that we are in the presence of God. As our call to worship, we're going to use an Old Testament parable from the rather mysterious book of Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set forth an allegory and tell the house of Israel a parable. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. A great eagle with powerful wings, long feathers and full plumage of varied colours came to Lebanon. Taking hold of the top of a cedar, he broke off the topmost shoot and carried it to a land of merchants, where he planted it in a city of traders. He took some of the seed of your land and put it in fertile soil. He planted it like a willow by abundant water, and it sprouted and became a low, spreading vine. Its branches turned towards him, but its roots remained under it. So it became a vine and produce branches, and put out leafy boughs. But there was another great eagle with powerful wings and full plumage. The vine now sent out its roots towards him from the plot where it was planted, and stretched out its branches to him for water. It had been planted in good soil by abundant water, so that it would produce branches, bear fruit, and become a splendid And now let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. Good morning, God. It's good to be here today with our families and our friends to worship you. It's good to welcome visitors. And it's good to see those who've been away for a little while. It's good to sing songs, to listen to scripture, to learn more of you. And it's good to bring you our prayers. (coughs) Thank you, God, for bringing us through another week with all the ups and downs of daily life. Thank you that we have had enough to eat and drink clothes to wear, and a roof over our heads. Thank you that we can come to church without worrying who is watching us or why. Thank you that we can bring you our prayers. Sorry, God, that not everything we have said or done this week has been kind or loving. Sorry that sometimes we have been greedy or selfish, thinking only of ourselves. Sorry that sometimes we have been rude or cheeky, speaking without thinking. Sorry that sometimes we have forgotten to pray. Thank you, God, that you forgive us and help us to live more livingly. Thank you that you don't keep a record of our mistakes or sins. 
thank you that each day you love us with exactly the same love. Thank you that you are listening as we pray. Please help us to listen for your voice this morning, perhaps in a song, perhaps in a story, perhaps through each other. Please help us to be more like Jesus, our Saviour and Friend, for it is in his name we pray. Amen. Now, it's really wonderful to have some of our children back with us this morning. But that doesn't mean to say that the grown-ups can go to sleep or have a Sunday off. They've got lots of things to do together. And we're going to be thinking a bit about growing things today, about gardening. So I wonder who can tell me what you need if you're going to grow something. Freya. Soil, yeah. Um, We've got a big tub of soil here. In fact, I was seen going and buying this soil last night in Partick when I didn't think I'd got enough. Fantastic. Soil and water. Good. We've got a watering can. Seeds. Seeds. Yep. Seeds or plants. Yep. Something that you can't see when you're inside is useful, but it's outside and there's lots of it today. Sunshine, yep, we need sunshine, we need water, we need soil, we need seeds or plants, and we actually need something to put it in. Because if I just put this soil in the middle of the floor, my goodness, we would have a muddle. Now, I thought it would be good if we planted a herb garden this morning. Now, those of you who watch adverts for Persil washing powder may have seen the 30-minute miracles. It takes them 30 minutes to plant a herb garden. It's not going to take us that long. But before we plant it, I thought we'd do a bit of... um, recognition of the plants. We'll start with this one, which is looking very sorry for itself. Don't go to Morrison's on a Friday to buy plants for Sunday. I think that's the the answer to that one. Does anybody recognize what this one is? Call it out if you think you know. They're so impressive, these people. This is dill. Smell it. Feel it. Mm. Now, people of a certain age will remember a dog called Dill from the herbs on television, but uh, I think he was a bit less floppity than that one. Okay, what is this one? We'll bring it over so you can have a smell. Can you have a smell of that one? Does it smell nice? Would you like to smell it? (laughs) Embarrassed people now. Do you want to smell my strange herbs? See if you can guess. Do you recognize the smell? Anybody want to have? Do you like to have a smell over here? Does it, anybody recognise this one? Shout it out! Basil. basil. That's right. This is Greek basil. Apparently, Waitrose Greek basil. No, that's very posh. Greek basil we have here. Okay, and this one. Parsley. Parsley. Yep. Anybody of my age will remember that parsley was a lion. In the herbs, but parsley. Who knows what we use parsley for? What you can use parsley for, anyway. You make parsley sauce, yes. What do we have parsley sauce with? Fish. Unless you're in Birmingham, when you have it with ham. But there you go. Um, That's also Waitrose's parsley. And this one? Can you smell that one? It's got a nice smell. What do you think? (laughs) <laughs> this is mint. 
which you can have on your potatoes, or if you like roast lamb, you can have it with your lamb. Now, this one's a bit floppy, but it's because it's a floppy plant, not because it's um, in the same state as the dill. How does somebody say what this one was? Coriander. That's right. And what, what do we use coriander for? Can you use it for soup? Yeah, very good. And I think you can also use it in Asian cookery quite a lot, in, in curries and things like that. So, let's see if we can beat Percy. It'll take half an hour to do this. I would like some helpers to come and, and plant the herbs in the, in the herb garden. Who's going to come and do it? Freya, Sarah, are you, boy, you coming, boys? Okay. Now, you have to use your hands, but we've got some nice water at the back so you can wash your hands later. So, you, we need to make some holes in the, in the soil and take the plants out of their pots and pop them in. Do you want to pop that one in? Oops, squish. There we go. Sarah, you want to pop one in? That's it. And then if Fergus and Rory do one each, I think we have to make quite big holes. See if we can get it right down and cover up the soil that's already on it. Can we get that one in a bit deeper, do you think, Sarah? Let's make a... That's it. Fantastic. Well, they all fit. Can we get all five of them that in, do you think? That one's all squashed. That's okay. And who's going to water the plants? Will the mint fit? We might have to do a bit of shuffling here. Well, perhaps we'll leave the mint out for now. So who's going to water them? Fergus, would you like to water the plants for me with the watering can? That's it. Can you, let me lift the... I think I'll lift this down because it'll be easier for you if I lift it down. There we go. That's it. How long did that take us then? About three minutes? <laughs> Purcell have got nothing on Hillhead Baptist Church, have they? So, a lovely herb garden. And I'm hoping that um, somebody will take those home and look after them who likes cooking and can enjoy them. That's lovely. Thank you. Can enjoy them in their cooking later on. So... Um, now, if the children would like to go and wash their hands to get the earth off, there's some nice water at the back in the snug area. <laughs> Come to Hillhead and wash the floor. It's fantastic. <laughs> Whilst the children wash their hands, we're going to hear our first Bible reading. All our Bible readings are from Matthew's Gospel today. Our first Bible reading... Is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13, from verses 3 to 9. Then he told them many things by using stories. He said, a farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered the seed on the ground. Some fell on a path, birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where there wasn't much soil. The soil came up quickly because the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it burnt the plants. They dried up because they had no roots. Other seeds fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and crowded out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It produced crop 100, 60, or 30 times more than what was planted. Those who have hairs should listen. That's the first of the stories that Jesus told about plants, about growing things that we're going to listen to today. 
Our second reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, from verse 31 to 32. The parable of the mustard seed. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man takes a mustard seed and sows it in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it grows up, it is the biggest of all plants. It becomes a tree so that birds come and make their nests in its branches. Now we chose to plant some things that were already plants, but that is a story about tiny weeny seeds, about mustard seeds. Now I haven't got mustard seeds because I couldn't find a shop selling any mustard seeds, but I've got some cress seeds. Take one or two and have a look at them. Very difficult just to get one. Oh, she's very clever. She managed to get one all by itself. Tricky, isn't it, Freya, just to get one? Would you like to see if you can just pick one tiny weeny seed up? Very, very tiny. Just have a look at them. You like to take one? You see if you can get all oh, these clever people who can get just one seed. It's quite tricky just to get one. <laughs> That's it. Handful. Oh, I thought that would happen. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen, yes. Danger of things going straight to mouth, because if it's in hand, it must be to mouth. Seeds, very, very, very tiny. Hard to imagine that they could grow into anything useful, but they do. So we're going to do a little bit more planting before we do a bit of wonderful mopping. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not everybody has their own resident mopper-upper in their church, but wow, what a fantastic church this is. So I think perhaps I'd better do the water this time. But perhaps if the children would like to come and they can do a little crest garden to take home with them. So I'll put some water on the, on the plates for you. Would you like to come out, children, and do one of these tiny weeny seeds? They seem very unimpressive, don't they? So you just want to shake a few of you at those seeds onto one of those plates and then you can take those home to grow got two packets, so don't worry, there was plenty. I think you have to just shake it a bit, Freya. That's it. You want that? Ooh. A packet in a packet, I don't know. They're determined to make life tricky for me. So you have that one, Sarah, and then you can, when you've got some, you can pass them on. Whilst we're doing that, I have something for the grown-ups, because I don't want the grown-ups to feel left out. And it would be good if we can get one, at least one to a household. I'm not sure if you've got quite enough to go around. But you've each got a fridge magnet containing a seed to help you think about this tiny weeny little mustard seed. Uh, okay. I'm just going to talk. Uh, so the, the mustard seeds are really, really tiny, but they're packed full of potential. So it's just a way to remind us that God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. Very small, but full of possibilities. You have to have a, well, if you haven't got a fridge, I'm sure you can find a microwave or something. Got one. Um, some for the middle people. You can pass those around. That would be fantastic. Not quite enough to go around. Hopefully, you can at least get one to each household. And if you haven't got a fridge, you can stick it on your microwave or your side of your car or something. I don't know. Just a little reminder of this story 
that Jesus told about the mustard seed. So as I say, hopefully we can get at least one to each household. Um, If there are spares, you can have two to a household. That would be fantastic. And now we're going to hear our third reading. Our third reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13, from verses 24 to 30. Jesus told the crowd another story. Here is what the kingdom of heaven is like, he said. A man planted good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, his enemy came. The enemy planted weeds among the wheat and then went away. The weeds began to grow and form grain. At the same time, weeds appeared. The owner's servant came to him. They said, Sir, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull out the weeds? No, the owner answered. While you're pulling out the weeds, you might pull up the wheat with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the workers what to do. Here is what I will tell the workers. First, collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be born, then gather the wheat, bring it into my storeroom. Thank you. Now we've got another song. Um, oh, I've got to talk. I can't even read my own order. Sorry, I'm going mad here. Talk time now. If the children would like to go to the snug area, we've got some nice crafts that you can do. You can decorate a picture frame or a card to be a picture frame. You can make a card. You can do some colouring. Um, we've got lots of nice bits of sticking and gluing if you'd like to go and do that. And if any of the grown-ups really don't want to listen to me, well, that's fine. Go off and play as well. It doesn't really matter. Last week, we spent some time trying to get our heads around what it means to read or hear passages of Scripture in the context they were recorded by the Gospel writers. And we allowed the possibility that the writer of Matthew was actually writing for a specific church or a specific group of real people who were trying to follow Jesus. And if that was the case, how did that shape the way we heard that chapter of the Gospel? And actually, I think that made us think about things like status and value, about mutual support and how we handle disagreement, about how we decide what is permissible or not permissible in church, and very importantly, about forgiveness when people do something that upsets us or that we think is to be wrong. And we've got three parables in Matthew 13. And I'm hoping that as we look at those, again, we can try and see a little bit more of just what the writer of Matthew might have been sharing of his understanding of the kingdom of God ushered in through Jesus Christ. 
Now, those who are regulars here and who have good memories, which some of you have, will recall I preached on the parable of the sower just over a year ago. I'm not going to repeat what I said then, nor am I going to go with the meaning which is given to us in the Bible. I'm going to go and try and find yet another angle on this well-loved tale. A sower went out to sow. The Good News translation of the Bible puts him in a field, but actually original scripture doesn't. He's just out on a piece of land. And what an odd piece of land that is. There's a path running through it, or beside it. Some of it is very stony. Some of it is covered in weeds and thorn bushes. The image we are given is of a peasant, a subsistence farmer at the best. He doesn't have the wealth to purchase a prime piece of ground or land, nor does he have servants or slaves to work it for him. Not exactly a promising start, is it? This piece of land is far from ideal. And the story doesn't say anything about advanced preparation of the ground to receive the seed. The weeds aren't pulled out. The boulders aren't taken away. And as far as we know, no ploughing has occurred. The man just goes out and does what he has to do. Usually, when we hear this story, it's the sower, the man. Sorry, it's it's not the man that's important. It's the seed, which represents the people, and the ground, which respects the circumstances that we focus on. We think about the seed, we think about the ground, we think about the harvest. But what about the man in the story? Let's just try and go from a different direction. What if we put ourselves in the place of the sower who just has to get on with it and make the best of his situation? Could it be that we can hear this story as one about getting on with it? The land isn't ideal. And precious seed might be lost, seemingly wasted, as it lands on the path or among the rocks or weeds. But if the sower was to wait until the land was perfect for sowing, assuming he could, perhaps it would be too late for the planting. And I wonder if this story could be heard as God saying to the church, bloom where you're planted as another popular fridge magnet saying says, get on with it. Be the church in the place where you are. Take the risks of living out your faith, and there will be a harvest. Don't wait until every rock has been taken out. Don't wait until everything is perfectly smooth and the land is just so, and you've got the best possible seeds Don't wait until every obstacle has been overcome. Just get on with living the kingdom where you are. And a harvest will come. Or what about the story of a farmer who had a field of wheat and somebody came in by night and planted weeds in amongst his plants? What is that story all about? Not how does the writer of the gospel explain it, but what new thing might God want to say to us through it?
it's a few years since I last preached on this parable, but the last time I researched it, I did some work to find out what these weeds might have looked like. The weed which people think that the story has in mind was one which is called darnel, and it looks remarkably like wheat. It's very difficult to tell which is the wheat and which is the weed. And so in this story, we have wheat and weeds growing up together, and it's an awfully long time before it becomes clear that all is not as it might be. So by that time, pulling out the weeds is just not practical. To pull out the weeds would be to pull out the plants. Now, I would do that anyway because I'm a rubbish gardener. I'm not very good at spotting weeds from plants at the best of times. But any of us who've ever weeded a garden know how tricky it can be to get just the weeds and not the plants that are precious. So actually what the man, the farmer in this story does is very sensible. He says, let's just wait until harvest time. Let's reap the whole field and then carefully and painstakingly we can separate out the wheat that we will keep and the weeds that we will burn. Interestingly, even the weeds kind of have a use in getting burned at the end of the time. It seems to me that this parable suggests God has a very different take on church life than perhaps sometimes we do. You see, sometimes I think there's a danger that we all think, well, I'm part of that good grain. I'm I'm an ear of wheat growing up nicely. And other people or other ideas or other things are the weeds that would try to choke that. And sometimes we're so busy trying to get rid of the thing that we think is not right that we uproot what is good as well. And actually, you know, I don't think it's that easy because I don't think any of us is all right or all wrong. I think we are, in our own lives, a strange mixture of wheats and weeds growing together. Not one of us is perfect in our faith or our life or our conduct. Sometimes... Actually, every single one of us is cast in the role of a weed. I think perhaps this story can give us some ways of thinking about how we live as churches. Not everything that at first seems to be good will turn out to be good. It might look good, but actually, mm, it isn't. And sometimes the very thing we might think is a weed turns out to be a beautiful plant. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean to say that we can all just behave how we like in church, anything goes, and we can be rude or bear grudges or be judgmental. Absolutely not. But it does mean we need to be very cautious as we deal with each other. Not saying, I'm right and, and you're wrong, not taking the moral high ground with each other. It's back to that thought about not tripping each other up. Only at the end of time, Will it be completely clear which was good and which wasn't? And then lastly, if we go back to that mustard seed story, there's something that is so tiny that grows into a substantial shrub. Isn't that a strange analogy for the kingdom of God? A little tiny seed that grows into a shrub. Usually, we understand that as being about something small that seems to be dead, 
which is full of potential. And I think that's a good way of hearing that story. It's part of the reason you've all got one little tiny seed in your fridge magnet to take away, just to remind you of the potential that God sees in small things. But could there be another way of reading that story that is even more shocking and perhaps a bit more marvellous? I wonder what you made of that Ezekiel reading with which we began the service. One of the best-known Bible images of a powerful kingdom, and especially when it's read in terms of Israel, is that of a cedar tree. The cedars of Lebanon, tall, majestic, strong, shady, desirable, beautiful. These were a symbol of power. Look on certain flags, you'll still find that there are cedar trees as a symbol of power. And at various points in the Old Testament, this metaphor can be used to describe Israel's enemies as well. There is talk of this powerful tree being destroyed, cut down, laid low. So when Jesus talks of the kingdom of God as being a plant, the first thought that people would have is going to talk about cedar trees, big, tall, beautiful. So when he talked about a man taking a mustard seed and sowing it in a garden, possibly in amongst other plants which was prohibited under Levitical law, it was a bit of a shock. So this plant that was quite possibly in the wrong place was left to grow and it grew into a shrub. And maybe it was a bit comical, this shrub. And yet the birds could come and find shelter in the branches of it. I can't imagine quite what Jesus' hearers would have made of that story. I think it would have been quite shocking The kingdom of God is not like a beautiful, mighty tree. Not perhaps in in British or certainly English parlance like an oak tree. It's more like a scrubby little shrub. Maybe it's a bit more like a thistle. Who knows? But what does that have to say to the church or to us? Mixed in with the parables in Matthew 13 are two instances where, in private, Jesus' disciples asked him why he talked in parables. And the essence of what Jesus said, I think, can be understood two ways. He said people will be ever seeking but not finding, ever hearing but not understanding. Now, does Jesus mean that these are people who are genuinely seeking and they can't understand, and that's why I tell them stories? Or is it he says... I tell you stories because you have to be a bit creative to understand. And you think you understand. You think you've got it. I'll tell you a story and you'll realise you didn't. Or maybe it's a bit of both of them. We are always seeking after Jesus. At least I hope we are. And sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. So what do these three parables have to say to us today? I'm not going to tell you the answers, but possibilities are that it could be something about getting on with living out our faith, even when conditions are far from ideal, sometimes very tough. 
Is it something about realising that the distinction between good and bad is not always quite so simple as we'd like to think? And actually, things can get so intertwined together, it's very hard to be sure that we've made the right choice. Or is it something about the shocking nature of God's kingdom that seems to turn upside down and parody everything that the world expects? Not about power, but about something quite comical and small and strangely beautiful. Maybe there was something in one of those stories that you heard differently today. And I wonder what it is that God might be wanting to say to you, to me, to us. If only we have the ears to hear. It's been an interesting week. Lots of things in the news which perhaps have shocked us and troubled us. Things that don't necessarily seem to sit too comfortably side to side. One of the things that struck me this morning when I was doing a quick roundup of other Christian ministers' blogs is a kind of humility that was happy to set alongside each other the events of Norway and the death of Amy Winehouse and recognise tragedy in both. We're going to use quite a lot of silence in our prayers this morning. I will lead us uh, in some directions and leave quiet places for you to bring to God the things that are on your hearts. So let us pray together. God of freedom and justice, whose kingdom grows silently and largely unobserved, we bring our prayers for a world where shows of power and might often mask injustice and oppression, and where sometimes we find seemingly strange things set alongside each other. We start small and local, bringing our prayers for those we know and love. In the silence of our hearts, we name before you those known to us who are sick or dying. Those who are grieving. Those who live with disability or chronic conditions. Those for whom daily life is filled with anxiety or fear. May they know the shade of your love and the safety of your embrace this day. We move outwards to our city, to the many and varied communities of which we are part. We pray for those who live in the houses and flats next to our own. For those with whom we work or study. 
for those we meet in the shops or hairdressers or surgeries, on the bus or in the train. We may not know their needs, but they are known to you. Grant them your peace and give them new hope and new courage for whatever lies ahead. We pray for our nation, for those who wield power within it. We remember before you now our local councillors, MSPs, Westminster MPs, and MEP, people of diverse political opinion and character. We pray for the uniformed services and for the armed forces, people who spend their energy serving the good of others in many different ways. Where they encounter danger, give them courage. Where they meet hostility, give them grace. And where they need reassurance, give them hope. We pray for our world in all its diversity and complexity. We remember before you places of conflict. Places of natural disaster. Places where human greed or corruption or confusion cause suffering. May your peace spread through these places. May hope overcome despair and love displace hate. Loving God, we have quietly named so many people, so many places. We could easily find ourselves overwhelmed by the demands on our time and energy if we were to truly live out our prayers day by day. Remind us of the little mustard seed, tiny and insignificant, yet growing almost unobserved to become a shady shrub. Please grant that our little faith and our limited resources may be hints and glimpses of your kingdom as we play our part in speaking and being good news. And let's gather our prayers together, each saying in our own first language the prayer Jesus taught his friends. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.